This podcast was recorded on the southern tip of Vancouver Island, the traditional territories of the Lekwungen peoples. We acknowledge and thank the Lekwungen people, also known as the Songhees and Esquimalt First Nations communities, for their stewardship, care, and leadership on these lands. Turn it on. Sean Williams has every lacrosse nerd's dream. He got to build a team from scratch, absolute nothing, an absolute clean slate to put his stamp on a group of men and try to lead them to lacrosse prominence. My name is Brad Challoner. Welcome to Coaches Calls, conversations with the leaders of lacrosse, a place where we get deeper into the insights and philosophies behind some of lacrosse's greatest minds. You can now find us on the Lacrosse Culture Daily Podcast Network, lacrosseculturedaily.com, and wherever you get your podcast. Today's guest is, as mentioned, Eastern Sean Williams. That's a very niche lacrosse joke that maybe only a few people would get. But there was a West Coast Sean Williams. And shout out to the Williams family. Sean, Kyle, Bob, the family that uh, introduced me to the game of lacrosse. I'm not sitting here today and talking to you today if it wasn't for Sean, Kyle, and Bob Williams from Ladner. West Coast Sean Williams actually drafted by the Colorado Mammoth, by the way. Once upon a time, he was a fantastic junior A player. Shout out to the Williams family. I love you guys, and I would not be here without you. So thank you for gifting me this medicine game. This podcast, though, is about the other Sean Williams, Eastern Sean Williams, one of the greatest lacrosse players, leaders, smartest lacrosse players of all time. 17 seasons in the National Lacrosse League. First ballot Hall of Famer, two-time NLL champion, world champion, man cup champion, multiple man cup champion, Minto Cup champion. Take a shot every time I say the word champion. Champion, champion, champion. Sean Williams just knows how to win. And what a fantastic hire for the Las Vegas Desert Dogs to name Willie their first ever general manager and head coach back in 2022. They're in season number two now building towards something special but what an asset and a weapon to have behind their bench a guy who's just won a mental cup as a head coach with Whitby and knows all the players entering the league right now it's a young league and not many players not many people have their finger on the pulse of who's coming into the league than Sean Williams so a great leader behind the bench he's starting to build something special we'll get into some of those philosophies some of these philosophies that he has a tough time really describing because I think lacrosse is just so innate in him and so natural for someone who's worked so hard that sometimes it's tough to really explain what the philosophy is. You just want good people and guys that work hard. But we'll get into it with Sean Williams, what makes him a great coach, how he developed some of his philosophies and how he's bringing them to the Las Vegas Desert Dogs. So I appreciate you hanging out. appreciate you finding the podcast. Hope you enjoy this chat with Sean Williams on Coach's Calls. Let's just start like you got, I think every lacrosse nerd's dream is to sort of build a team from scratch and do whatever the hell you wanted to do when you started building the desert dogs. How did it start for you? Like, did you have a vision of what you wanted the team to be before you knew what players were going to be on the team? Yeah, I think kind of, cause um, you know, obviously <clears throat> coming into the state of Nevada and the, and the city of Las Vegas. So I definitely felt and knew that we had a, had to put a little stamp on some, some American players. Um, and, and, you know, hopefully, you know, instead of just kind of skipping ahead and past that and, and, you know, as you know, a team in Canada where you don't necessarily have to worry about that and you can just kind of go what you know. Um, 
but I, but I felt that we it was really important that to, if we're gonna you know develop lacrosse on the on the west coast or whatever you call us um but in an area that doesn't really have it and that, and that was definitely part of you know my interview and it was definitely something they're they're looking to help build so it's like you know i think that was very important so honestly uh you know that was one and then as soon as i did that i just kept thinking back to my playing days and i went right back to rochester and the mix we had and with um you know and jody gage back in the day and he was starting to draft you know, uh, these all American, uh, types from around Rochester, Syracuse area that didn't really have any Bach experience little, you know, and then all of a sudden they were key, key pieces in it on a team that we we're consistently looking to be in the playoffs or challenge for a championship. Um, you know, I got to Rochester in Oh, Oh two. And, uh, you know, right away you could tell that, you know, we were always in the hunt and, a lot of really a lot of our great players were, were American born and, uh, you know, kind of local area. So I thought, uh, you know, I, and actually part of my interview, it's uh, I brought up the, that that 07 team that culminated after, you know, years of guys getting better and they were able to be, you know, literally leaders on the team and, and all stars. So it was important to target some American players, obviously, and create a diverse roster, which every GM of every American team always says, but like you're actually walking the walk with Hannah and Kirst and Charlie Bertrand. Like these are big contributors to your team, but sort of who else and what else were you looking for? What types of personalities outside of the Americans were you looking for when you were starting to build this team? Just, just getting good people, no matter what, um, you know, obviously you hope everybody has a, a good sense of lacrosse, but I think, you know, when you're picking an expansion team, um, which is cool, but on the other side of the, the coin, man, it's not always easy because, you know, talent wise, it's, we're not the top, most talented guys that are available. So we're, we're, we're digging for, um, pieces to help create the culture and, and hopefully we, we are going to get it right. Cause you never know, but we vetted everybody really hard as hard as we could, um, without talking to guys individually. And, um, uh, you know, so that, that was a really good one too. The big piece too, was just getting, good 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 young men that want that's to be a part yeah, that's super ahead. interesting because i've always kind of wondered how deep that process was i thought maybe you do call players and say hey like what's your interest level playing here but I guess you're hoping guys want to play in the league no matter what and pretty attractive place yeah. to come play in las vegas but so is it more relying on people you know and connections in the game previous coaches previous teammates absolutely we we used everybody and anybody and you know former college coaches whatever it took to to get a to get a feel um you know there was a point where we were allowed to talk to guys but i mean when i'm sitting there watching you know every lacrosse game uh after a weekend and just you know you're you know you're just thinking hoping and oh maybe he'll be available until that list came out you know it was just kind of uh so we just targeted we had some guys obviously in mind on each team and then you just kind of wait for the for the the hammer to fall on some of them what are kind of those reference questions you're asking a college coach or another coach about a guy? Yeah, what, what type of, what, what's he like, you know, cause there's a, a lot of quick, you know, who you can just tell by the way, when you ask about a guy, like, and they say, Oh, you'll love him. You know, he's a, he's a coach's dream or whatever that is. And he just, that first little hesitation, you're like, okay, what, you know? And it's like, cause I, I would say most guys are good guys, but there's always, you know, with, with the guys that, you know, we've all played with guys in the past that, you know, uh, 
I, I like him, but you know, he was tough to play with or, you know, he, he, he was a guy that wasn't, you know, he's a me first guy and that's what we were definitely trying to avoid. I mean, it's not, not easy, um, but we were definitely trying to avoid that. Did you get any of those guys and then have to sort of mold them to what you guys wanted? Honestly, I didn't, I don't feel that way. Um, with, with, with the guys that we actually drafted off the expansion that came into camp, I, I mean, I, I thought it was awesome. And then, then, you know, picking up street free agents where you really don't know, um, you know, that's one thing that I've said even since day one of camp is like, man, this feels like a, a pretty, pretty solid uh, group of guys here that, it, you know, and it, and then slowly but surely they just, you know, kept grinding through and even having a challenge to, to, to make the team. And uh, there was never any, you know, extra BS, you know, and it, you know, there's always like that compete level, but you know, not the, you know, there was nobody alienated or, you know, there was no groups or, you know, cliques or anything. It was just like, Hey, we're going here. Let's go here. We're going there. Let's go there type of thing. And that's, that's what I felt like. And, you know, that's one thing even uh, going through first year and even this year where you get back together, man, it's like, Hey, like, it's so good to be back together. Like everyone's just smiling, happy. It's, it's the, the room is rocking and talking. And then, you know, then we're, but now we're at the point where it's okay. We, we got to now add to that and become a, a good team on the floor as well. So once you got the guys you wanted and started formulating a little bit, is that when you started to decide what, what kind of style lacrosse this team was able to play based on the personnel you had in there? Yeah. Well, I think, you, you know, we definitely, you know, we we're trying to target, you know, some guys that could push the ball and guys that could play, you know, I knew we weren't going to get a whole bunch of big guys to to play like a stuffy defense. And you knew with Landon Kells and net, you know, he was ready for a shot, but he's still only 22 last year, 23 years old. It's like, okay, we gotta, we gotta be able to kind of, you know, take away shots and, you know, maybe play a bit, a bit, a bit of a pressure down defense and get in lanes and pick passes. And so we were, we were really keen on guys like that. And then you having, you know, with, with Sato last year and obviously being a West coast team where, we actually targeted a lot of, you know, Vancouver area guys just because it's, it's a lot easier for travel. And uh, as much as I knew the, the East coast, it's like, okay, we need, we need a bunch of uh, Western guys. So, you know, we, we ran through a lot of guys and then we, you know, coming into camp one, we added shoot, there was an extra, you know, four or five uh, college players that didn't have any experience. We just wanted to see what they could do. And uh, you know, then it just kind of started uh, falling into place and even took us a couple of games to get a, to get kind of a, you know, a core lineup. So after the team is formed, it's pretty early in the first season that the lacrosse world starts hearing about your 12 round fight mentality. Player of the game gets a boxing robe and you treat every game like a 12 round fight. How and when and why? Three questions in one. Um, In this process of building a team, did you come up with that sort of mantra? Yeah. So again, you know, when uh, like being a, being away from the from the game in the dressing room and your your brain just goes you know every which way but loose and you're you're just watching seven games a weekend or whatever it is on that and then you're just trying to you're coming up with things and we always you know lots of coaches have had you you break it down into smaller segments because if you look at the whole piece it's a it's a lot tougher right but it's the, the process and everyone talks about the process and you know so the whole Vegas thing and in, in my brain was was hitting me and uh, growing up you know, with, with all the fights and even before Mike Tyson came in, my, I mean, we always watched the big fights that were in Vegas. And uh, so we were boxing fans. And then, um, you know, the old days was 15 rounds, but then they, they, 
they ne- you know they stopped that because it was too crazy for them but the 12 rounds so you're, you're in a heavyweight matches of 12 rounds in like you know vegas so our game is uh you know four quarters and it's broken up with tv timeouts and the three three kind of uh three mini periods so it's like hey that's just easy 12 rounds and uh you know let's let's go let's go to, let's let's be able to fight for 12 rounds and it's that's tough right and that mentality that you know you could lose round three four five but you could come back and win 10 11 yeah. 12 and the game still yours yeah and, it, and you know exactly so you come out seven five it doesn't matter if you didn't get the knockout but you got this the split whatever you want to call it man and that's that's exactly it um you know, and it's, it's not easy. It's definitely not easy to do. And then, you know, especially if you lost three rounds and you're, you're down, but down by a bunch of after the first quarter, but uh, to keep that mentality to just focus on one round at a time, you know, that's what we were looking for. And we still do. Yeah. Like it's so interesting because you see a lot in this sport, like a bad run, you lead in six or seven in a row, you're probably losing the game more often than not. But you know, we've seen team, we've seen your team come back from Absolutely. large deficits like that. So I guess it's, it's, it's that short memory too. Right. And then how do you make sure guys have that belief in themselves? Like, let's just go back to the Vancouver game last year. You guys ran like seven and came back and won that one. Like, yeah, but, like what, honestly, what happens in a game like that with that belief? Well, honestly, it was, uh, you know, coming into that half and then, uh, you know, whatever happened on the floor happened and, you know, nothing really happened, but there was enough skirmishes to kind of get everybody's brain off the scoreboard and, you obviously go into the coach's room and, you know, all of our, you know, everyone's kind of yelling and, you know, the guys are all fired up from whatever happened on the floor or almost happened. And then uh, I just went in the coach's room and everyone just kind of getting some steam out and, you know, we're all just talking to, to amongst ourselves. And, you know, and then I just said, I just looked at, you know, the Asado and Kenny Millen. I said, listen, man, like we're, we're in this. I said, your job is to go in there and we're, we're focused on quarter three and quarter four. doesn't matter what happened. Um, you know, let's like, how are we going to win the third quarter or how are we going to, how are we going to just win a couple of shifts? Right. And so going into the, the speech is like, man, it could have been easy to talk shit and, you know, get all mad, but I'm like, what, what point of, what good is that going to do now? We're all nowhere in this. So all I ask is just like, Hey man, let's just win one small battle at a time. And little did I know you forget about uh, what's going on on the floor and you come out and there's a penalty shot to start it. So I was like, okay, here we go. Let's maybe, Hopefully we can keep it under 30 and then, uh, you know, but, uh, <clears throat> and, and then I didn't know this after, but I guess, um, Landon kind of fired up the boys and just said, we're, we're not going down without a fight. And, uh, you know, as a 23 year old, it's, <laughs> maybe it was easy to say, but he backed it up and, uh, saved that penalty shot. Then we were down five on three and then we were getting saves and then we got a couple of early goals and it was like, okay, let's just keep playing. I would no expectations of winning that game. Obviously, like you said earlier, you're down by that many. You're you're not coming back, but little by little, and I think it was just the, you could see uh, there was a you know that little bit of an attitude on that team. Where it's okay now, it's point night. Now we can just maybe our foots off the gas, and I'm just going to look for my own or whatever the case may be. But there was definitely a sense, and it just you could see the tide turning, and then they're just kind of trying to hold on. And I mean, it was close right to the to the bitter end you know um but that was a really cool experience like i never been a part of that kind of comeback for sure and how much can you draw on that then after that game later in the season or even this year now like can you ever point back to a situation like that and use that as new fuel new motivation motivation? for sure like you know it's but it's not it's not about hey we can still win this game it's like hey let's just go back and win one small battle at a time that's 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 what comes back you know after after a game room, we're talking about, you know, different things. And maybe that comes up, but it's never about, Hey, we've, 
we could win this because we were down by 10. Like, no, let's just, let's, hey, man, we've been here before and, you know, just win one battle at a time and then let's see where it takes us. A lot of expansion teams can get the mentality of like, hey, we're, we could, they band together because they're the island of misfit toys kind of thing. We're the guys that the other teams let go and then Willie wanted us and brought us here. You know, is that still a philosophy in year two, or do you have to shed that now? And now this is this is a new well, group. Well, we we tried shedding it to be honest with you. It was like, okay, like because you know, on paper, you know, I felt that, or we all felt that we added some really good pieces. And uh, but I said it, Cam, man, that that's on paper. Um, you know, it's yeah, I I still do feel like we have a you know a better team, and um, but it's still on paper, and we're still working through things. Um, but then we you know. <clears throat> we gave one away against Albany. I, I really feel like we gave that away. We were at a pretty decent lead. And then some of our veterans on defense just kind of, you know, whether they took bad penalties or just didn't play the the D the way we we're supposed to be playing. And all of a sudden they were back in it and we couldn't, we just couldn't uh, find a way to, to win. Okay. So regroup. Then we go to Panther city, figure out, got lucky and got an overtime win. And then we lay an egg against Saskatchewan. And I think, we were in Calgary the next weekend after another break. And I was like, that's when I reminded them that we're still, we still are an expansion team boys. It's like, no matter just because we got a few more guys in, but we can't, we can't, whether it's, you're getting good publicity, which we barely do. And that's perfect. Cause we don't really deserve any yet, but man, we are still like, you guys are still <laughs> expansion, expansion players. Mm -hmm. And you know, so let's, and it's okay. I love you. And I, I think highly of you, but, Let's not go into a game and be complacent because there's not one iota any of us that should be complacent. Right. When there is press this year, it's like you guys are beating the best teams. You've beaten San Diego, Albany. Um, who's the other win against? A really good team. I'm yeah, blanking now. Yeah, Panther City. You know, so and the hardest thing is is consistency. So, you know, mm -hmm. the most successful teams that you've been on, or maybe this team now. What is the key to consistency in the in the NLL? I, I think it's just one is just you know it's it's knowing uh, it's it's being on top of the little things and clock management and we call it you know it's our black black to red defense and our offense and you know not not you know finishing shifts um, you know getting hard on the floor getting through the middle all those little things, you know, getting back on defense and, you know, starting inside at whether you're going to pressure or not, but like get back inside and then we'll work to outside. And it's just being consistent at all the little things. And, you know, for, you know, for West coast teams, as you know, you don't get to practice during the week. You don't get to hammer home some stuff that you did bad on a Saturday and you get two hours to kind of really focus in on it where you come in on a Friday and you get 80% of your team there and you get, you know, you can't really run, you can't really play five on five too much. And uh, so you, you have to do a lot on zoom and a lot through video and one-on-one -on -one calls. And that's where the toughest thing is to, to try to, to try to chase that consistency. I find, you know, so that's what I'm doing right now is like where our defense is getting to a point where we're, we, you know, where they're, they're figuring it out, they're feeling comfortable, but like, okay, now let's, can we, start working on fixing these things. Now we're getting to a point on defense where we can start nitpicking, which is awesome. Mm. You know, before it's more a broad strokes. Um, but that's our, that's always what we talk about is, is chasing that consistency and talking about we're building a championship team. And I, I didn't make, you know, I, I, I say it all the time. It's like, 
you know, we, we are building a championship team and it's up to you guys who's going to be here when we win one. Um, but it's it's learning how to win and be, and be consistent game in, game out, you know, shift in, shift out. Learning what it takes. Learning what it takes. And, you know, and even like, again, like, uh, you know, Panther City, we, 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 we snuck one out and they, they gave it away, you know, throwing the ball over the boards and we got the ball back. And that's, I, I show that. I said, hey, we've been there. We've almost thrown it away, you know, so that's, you learn from that. Even, even though we won, we'll take the win for sure. And you guys still had to execute on the goals, but, uh, you know, um, it's all those little things and it's being able to, you know, maybe be in shape enough that you're mentally ready to, to, to finish a game with two minutes left or living in the moment, staying in the now. I talk about staying in the now just because like, hey, just get to the next shift if it's if this is where we're at. Right. You just don't want to try to jump ahead and, and take it. And then then sometimes they get selfish at time with, with an empty net. Right. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, learning how to win and just uh, it, it's the little things that everybody always talks about. And that's what does one of the, the big one at the end. What's what's your approach to film like throughout the week? You mentioned like getting guys individual clips and starting to nitpick a little bit, but you know, how do you digest it during the week and how do you get it out to your players? Yeah. So, you know, it, it, it starts, you know, usually right away. Um, we got a really good video coordinator. So he starts getting some stuff out and then, you know, we, we break down. It's it, it just the smaller pieces of the game with, uh, with regards to offense, defense, special teams. And then, you know, you want, you want to watch a full game, but it's not always, sometimes uh, guys just don't have enough time with work. So at least it's chunked into whether they're the O coach or the D coach, or we're looking at special teams. But, um, you know, I, I fortunately for me is I just get to attack whatever I want. And so I can really get into it. Then I'll start sending stuff out to the coaches of, of different things I, I see or what we should be working on. So you have individual calls and then, you know, the O and the D coaches will will get their clips ready and uh, have comments and then follow up with conversations with whether it's the group or or individuals on their own that may be struggling or just, you know, need a, need, need a little fine tuning and then we've been trying to do Wednesdays. We were doing a bunch of film on online and then you always find that it just, it, it's, it's never the same, um, it, you know, glitchy or whatever. So we try to just do clips and have conversations and then be, be able to kind of talk about them during the, you know, during that zoom um, with when, it, when we're more focusing on uh, what's next. And uh, so we try to get uh, last week's game out of our system by Tuesday. That way Wednesday zoom for our team meeting is uh focused on the the opponent ahead and uh you know coaching in Colorado I really felt that it was that was the hardest thing to do was to if you didn't have a meeting during the week was to get rid of good bad or ugly um you know because even if it's good you're feeling good about it yourself all week but that can lead into some complacency so by Wednesday it's like okay lots of good here's the bad maybe here's some ugly we let's move on and we're focused on on what's next and uh guys will come in Friday um, no video usually on Friday, the odd time there, that's where you can really sit down with a couple you know, individuals. Um, and then usually Saturday morning when everybody's fully there, we do, uh, special teams and add some either DRO as well. So it, it's just constantly, constantly moving for us. You know, we obviously being a second year team, we don't have the perfect, uh, perfect recipe, but we, we feel like that we're getting to it now. You know, and, and how about conversations with, players like the the film is one thing but maybe there's a guy who's 
snake bit or having a confidence issue, or maybe there's two players that are button heads and you have to deal with that. Like when does that, when do those conversations kind of come into play and, and how do you approach those? Yeah, usually, well, lucky enough, we haven't really had too much butted heads. Uh, maybe that comes just because, you know, we don't have a lot. There's not a, too many egos up front, um, which is a big reason, you know, who we went after. But, you know, it, I don't mind the button heads, especially in the game. You know, that means you're you're all competitive. Um, but if that if that does happen, we squash that right away and just, you know, it's – we get rid of all, uh, any 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 of that kind of ill will that will be in person at, at the game, but um, you know, guys that are saying that and you know, get the phone calls or you know, it's uh, you're walking through it, and it's like the the good thing about it is like we've all we all of our staff, you know, we've been there, so it's like you have you know you can share stories or whatever the case may be, man, and just usually for us, it's just it's about making sure that that person's doing all right in their in their own lives because that's where a lot of the times your performance on the field is something to do with, you know, something that else is going on, whether it's an injury or shit at home or work. Right. And it's just, mm -hmm. so let's make sure you're okay first. And then like, okay, let's talk about why you missed those three ground balls or whatever the case may be. Um, yeah. for, for, for us, you know, I, I try to not overly micromanage and even, you know, you try not to really get on guys for stuff they missed unless it's consistent and then you got to kind of have to have a conversation because we're, you know, basically we're trying to teach these guys how to fish because they're the ones on the floor and it, you can't coach every moment. And it's obviously it's loud in there. And, you know, you wish it was a junior junior mix sometimes where they can hear your voice everywhere, but they can't. And so it's just like, you, you got to teach them the fish and hopefully they, you know, they're, they're doing their correct thing. And if someone is struggling off the floor and they've got something going on at home or whatever, and it's trickling over into their game, like, you know, what's your responsibility as, as their coach and, and their leader? Like, can you direct them somewhere to whether they got to change their routine or get some help from somewhere else? Like what, what's your role in that, in that position? Yeah, um, absolutely. I would, you know, then it's like, they, you know, you're, you're coach, but you're also just that, that older older buddy at some points, if you have to be, whatever it takes to kind of uh, see where they're at. Um, you know, again, with all the life experiences that I've been through and some of our coaches, usually you can, you can figure out somebody or something that, uh, you know, we've seen it all and, and uh, you know, seen other people go through everything. So, you know, and again, fortunately I haven't had to deal with too many of that. It's just, uh, um, you know, more of uh you know, obviously like, you know, with, with, with Kinger and stuff and, you know, he's, uh, he's actually coming into town this week, which is awesome. So he, nice. uh, he's going to stay with, uh, Rue for a bit. So, you know, things of that where right. you can just have little small, small conversations or some text messages, but, um, you know, no, no, no real, uh, issues with regards to any personal problems or anything yet. That's so awesome. And for, for new listeners and for people new to lacrosse, you're talking about a player who lost his wife to cancer and you've been through unimaginable tragedy in your own life. And I imagine your players, like they don't have to look too far. They just look around the room. And I think the fact that you and King are standing there is absolutely inspirational and they could probably draw off that. For sure. And that, and that's a thing. And that's where it's like, we always thought like, I mean, life is your family and family and friends and life is uh, way bigger than all of us. So it's just like, let's make sure we're, 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 we're taking care of that. And, you know, and it's just, just being a good person is all, all the time. And, uh, you know, as much as you can be. And then uh, hopefully that carries over into the, to our, you know, to the field or the rink, but uh, you know, let's just make sure that everyone's good first and then we'll, we'll move on. 
Yeah, like you, you had less Bartley, and you know. So I've interviewed almost every coach in the National Lacrosse League so far, and it's ridiculous. You, as you know, how many guys either played for or coached with it. Like it's almost all you guys, um, yeah. to be honest. What and I've asked everybody that's had him what they learned from less, and a lot of that is is those. A lot of guys have said those personal relationships, like talking to guys or at warm up and at shoot around, just getting that personal life story out of them. Um, you agree with that, or what did you take from less? No, nah, you know what. Stuff? I, you know, I, I definitely did and uh, love less and it, you know, I didn't have the same relationship as like Doyle or, or them. I, you know, I, it, it's just, um, yeah, I was, I, I played two years for him and uh, man, I thought he was, he was awesome, but I was definitely what wasn't one of his favorites. So I had to just work my, <laughs> is that why you got traded? Is that why you got traded? Uh, who knows? Who knows? <laughs> I, I don't ask because it probably was probably the best thing that happened to me for my career, but oh, I was that right. Being yeah. a Scarborough boy. Being a Scarborough boy and playing in Maple Leaf Gardens, obviously, I, you know, I felt like, uh, you know, I saw, could see the CN Tower from my my apartment building. But you know, I I, I have no ill will or anything against any any of the guys in in uh, you know the coaching staff that traded me. But uh, it is what it is, and that's where it's a sport. But no man, it, I I just worked I worked so hard that man I I, I want to you know I'm not getting maybe the same opportunity or getting to put up the same amount of points as as Doyler, but I don't care. I'm on to be on this floor, and then I. I learned how to play without the ball and uh, even, even more so than I, than I had in the past. And it's like, okay, I'll, I'll be the pick guy. I don't care, man. I will do whatever it takes to be on this floor when, when we're having a chance to play a championships. And that's what I, I try to tell all of our offensive guys, man, it doesn't matter who scores or what, because it doesn't at the end of the day, it doesn't, um, you know, for the guys that want the accolades and stuff that that's part of it. But playing with a guy like Doyle that got the accolades because he didn't care either. And uh, none of that team cared. We just wanted to win. And, uh, you know, and obviously they, they, they did some good things after I left, but uh, no, it was, uh, he was, he was, he was definitely, uh, he was ahead of his time too. And obviously that's where he got all those wins, man. He, he thought of a lot of different stuff and the whole video before there was video and, you know, you name it, you know, he was definitely, uh, definitely a trailblazer. Do you think we could ever see, like, I think about this a lot, like, you know, talk about a guy like Nick Myers at Ohio state or some of the college coaches that you probably converse with when you're drafting, like, you think we'll ever see another coach in the NLL that didn't like, didn't play in the NLL or didn't come from that box background, like just a leader of men who knows how to bring a group together and has, you know, some, some sort of knowledge, but like, could that ever happen again? Or was that just a lightning in a bottle era back then? Yeah, I don't know. I think uh, I think there's potential, especially with, you know, if there's more expansion in the States and stuff, because maybe, um, you know, maybe that owner, you know, like, yeah, like Oliver Marty, if, if Clarky wasn't around back then, maybe he'd be looking for somebody like that as well. Right. It's like uh, mm-hmm. it'd be interesting for sure, because, you know, you know, Adam Euler in New York, he he did a, a lot of great things with those guys. And, you know, they were there's another team that kind of had that Rochester mold with some talented Canadians with some really uh, strong and talented and uh, athletic uh, Americans was that New York team for sure. Yeah. Hybrid, hybrid coach I could bring in. I guess, I guess you're right though. I'd have to take, if there's more Americans or more pool to, yeah. to draw from, you know, we could see it. Yeah, we could see for it. Sure. You know, what, what motivates you? What made you want to come behind a, a national lacrosse league bench after a couple of years away? Um. Yeah, I, I just I, I I love the trenches. I I miss the dressing room so much as a player, and you 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 don't get any you get just this little bit of it as a coach. But I'll take that. Um, you know, coaching. Uh, you know, coaching my my son and his his buddies. You know, since they were 
four years old all the way through junior essentially. And, um, you know, I lo love, love that aspect of it. Love just kind of seeing, you know, a group come together and, and, and do great things and or win together, lose together, but just, uh, come together. Um, it, it's so awesome. Like, and the, there's nothing like being in the trenches and, uh, the hard thing is with it, you know, not having any control over it, just kind of just, you, you got to lay the plan and hopefully they follow. And obviously you get to a couple, you can make a few moves here and there on the bench, but you know, it's all comes from them. And that's, that's the, the, the cool thing about it. What's the difference between coaching juniors and coaching in the NLL? Um, I think just honestly, I, a lot of it is just the, you know, the age of some of the guys, because some of my coaches that were new to to coaching the NLL were very surprised that uh, it was a lot similar. It, like you're still teaching a lot. Um, you still have to reinforce a lot of different little fundamental things that we take for granted um, with guys that come from so many different backgrounds. You just don't know. So assuming that everybody knows how to how to play a two-on-one properly, you can't. <laughs> it's it's very interesting that way, especially when you get into camp and, and have so many different guys coming in. So one thing I, I feel that there's uh it, it, there's still a lot of uh a lot of a lot of teaching what you do in junior. Um you know other than that, man, I don't know. I, I think uh like the the junior I got to coach that junior A loop that it was uh was really really fantastic lacrosse and fast I think sometimes I think our, our game's a little slower at, at some points um, with yeah. some of the teams that play and that's, that's their style and they're lucky enough to have guys at that style, but we're, we're definitely trying to be an up-tempo team. And obviously Albany, what they're doing is very up-tempo and it's fun to watch. And, you know, for that's more of that junior race style for sure that, that we are a part of. Yeah. Young, like young groups. Right. And that's kind of the, like the next wave of players that are coming in when we get a few years down the road, all those guys are going to be in the NLL and the league's going to be taken over by, those types of players. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So I think it's Sean Williams team pushing the pace, bringing in good people, fighters, ideally a hybrid type roster, but do you have like an overarching philosophy for your teams. I, I honestly, I've never, never thought of that. No, uh, I don't know. Um, do you guys have like pillars and principles or anything like that for the, Oh yeah. yeah. You know, it's, you know, passion, commitment, desire are three for sure. You know, having the, the passion for life and the passion for the team and the passion to be there week in, week out. And, you know, the, the commitment that it takes to, you know, to be a part of that team, especially a West Coast team when you can't practice and you're on your own so much. And, you know, as you're still committed to your family and and uh, your, your work, but uh, just having that extra piece of commitment to the team and then, um the desire to just keep doing it all. This is not easy. Um, so those are three for sure that maybe, you know, kind of always kind of go with me. And then, um, you know, just once we find the type of O and type of D we're supposed to play, it's just, it's sticking to those principles. And, you know, I think just uh, being good young men and, uh, and then taking care of, taking care of yourself and, and just being that selfless warrior um, come game time um, and then just let the cards cards fall where they may. I think that's what we're trying to get to is, you know, where everybody can just count on each other and be able to look at each other and say, okay, man, we, I got my part, you do your part, and then let's just come together. And it's, it's win or lose. Um, and the more we can, that's that's what we're chasing too, along with the consistent, uh, consistent play. Yeah, and then that feeling of winning. And then once you start oh. getting that, that's when the buy-in a lot of starts happening, right? 
Absolutely. And, and you know, with that and then but with consistency comes with consistency and, and you know, that kind of fortitude and, and that uh, commitment, then you get start getting bounces and you start getting lucky. And that's where everyone says, oh, they're lucky. But man, if you're if you're consistently doing it, you're <laughs> the ball's going to fall for you yeah. more times than not. That brings me to, so I, this is there's a lot of related to that, but I've asked a lot of the coaches, do you believe in lacrosse gods? And a lot of that has to do with the ball bouncing and doing the things the right way. But when you hear lacrosse gods, like what do you envision? And is that something that you've thought about before? I'm definitely the, I'm definitely in the karma guy, you know? So it's just, uh, you know, trying to do our best to, 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 to not be like other players on other teams and stuff like that because it's like it's gonna it'll come back at some point whether you know but it doesn't always work out that way because you see some of the guys that uh you've either played against that play 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 over a certain line and get rewarded with different teams but uh i think uh in the end of the day it still comes back and um you know so i definitely i'm the the big big karma guy play the way it's supposed to be played you know play hard man and give it whatever and, you know, punching the guy in the face or slashing, whatever it takes. But once, uh, once it's done, it's done. And let's, uh, you know, shake hands and, uh, you know, just like the old rugby teams that play. Right. I, I, I truly agree, believe in that. And I think that's part of uh, the lacrosse gods and karma that should be played that way. Talk about your friendship with, with Toller. Like, I wonder you surround you like you're a lifer. You surround yourself with other coaches and other guys that you played with. And like, this game is in your blood and it's around you all the time. Does that sort of friend group Toller and those guys, like how important that is to you, to your success, Do you all sort of push each other to, to be the best versions of yourselves. Yeah. I think you just, you're consistent, constantly sort of consistently. You're just constantly watching, you know, what they're doing with their teams. And, you know, I got to coach with Toll, actually coach Tucker's team, you know, through, through their minor careers and then coaching against them in junior um, you're, you're just constantly watching what they do and how they do things. And you, you learn from them. You're, you're always, you're always learning something new, a little, you know, it's not that the game's not being reinvented, but, a a different approach or a different, different little way to nuance. And, uh, I think all the, all the good players during the day were able to fine tune and add nuances to their game to, to keep them and to be the best. And that, I think that's the same with coaching. Um, you know, it, there's definitely no one right way. Um, even if when you're in your and you're running your systems, but it's man, it's just finding the nuances to beat that team on that day. Uh, you know, different things like that. So yes, we're we're constantly and a lot of us talk, man. You're, you're having beers and you're like, why why'd you do that? You know, after the fact, you're gonna say, why are we doing that or what'd you do that for? Type of thing, and it's that comes up all the time. And we always talk shop, and it, it's awesome. Yeah, and they're like, you know, why'd you pull your goal here? Why'd you call the time out there right. and those yeah. kind of things. Yeah, or that's why you never pull your goalie at that point, right? When yeah. uh, with Sass losing the, it's like okay, we're not doing that again. Yeah, it's it's the chess match too, right? You probably hear things that oh yeah, we did this because we thought you were gonna do this, and you're like, we weren't thinking that at all. Like, right? Yeah, <laughs> that's where I like that's, and I got to coach a lot of high school football, and that's where I feel like that's the football piece of that 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 chess match, which is awesome. Yeah, yeah. Tell me about a tell me about a Scarborough bus trip. <laughs> Well, right away it came to my mind. I was, uh, I think I was still midget, but Patty O'Toole was our, our goalie, and we were going, uh, we were going on an Ottawa trip. We played two games out there, but our bus back in the day when I first started playing in Scarborough was a school bus. So we were on a school bus, and we we're about six, five and a half, six hours from Ottawa, 
And I remember the fact that, uh, you know, everyone's so pumped. And uh, again, I'm probably 17 years old, 16, maybe, whatever I was. And I just remember Patty <laughs> brought his Crokinole board onto the school bus. So it was like, yeah, it, it was back then you could tell that's when teams were made was on those bus trips. It was like, uh, you know, win or lose. But you, the, the stories you share and then the stories we still share about those bus trips um, are, are awesome. And I remember... By the time we were close to getting back to Scarborough and then someone fell and obviously broke uh, Patty's crokinole board, which are probably expensive, but I just remember how how gassed everybody was <laughs> and gooned up and, uh, you know, having to stop for pee breaks and going outside on the side of the highway and not having a bathroom on the bus was pretty, you know, and then we graduated and, you know, into the real big time buses and, uh, you know, just having back in the day with, in those Scarborough days, man, we were, you know, traveling Aurelia, Huntsville, you name it. So there was lots of time on the bus and the, 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 just the, the moments you share and all the, the friendships you made where a lot of it was just based on that bus, man. It was awesome. Those type of trips and those memories are for a lot of guys, what keep them around the game. It's what made us fall in love with the game. And it's easier to do at that level. What kind of things can you do with your pro group now to create, those feelings, that atmosphere that makes guys want to go to battle for each other? Honestly, it was uh, <clears throat> last year, um, our final camp, um, it was um, our final camp. We weren't allowed to practice that much because it was the start of the season, but we we didn't do, we only did three camps. Um, then we flew everybody down week one of uh, of the new NL season. And then, uh, you know, quietly, we just, we, we booked a bus and, uh, once we were finished our, our practice guy showered up and then, uh, we asked him to meet here and they didn't know what was going on, but they, we all got on a bus and we went to Hoover Dam and I was Thanks. like, yeah. I was like, cause that, this is what I said, this is how I know how teams are built and, uh, where let's go on a bus trip. Where can we go? And it's like, Grand Canyon's too far. And then I'm like, well, mate, Hoover Dam's right there. Let's go. And, uh, man, it was cool. So we, uh. It was, it was light, just getting dark, and we got to Hoover Dam and, you know, had a tour and actually met uh, met one of the security guards there that now is like, he, he comes, to, he texts me every week and comes to every game now and uh, his oh, family, nice. which is really cool. And we had a good talk about how Hoover Dam was built and, you know, how we're building it brick by brick on this team. It was a really cool experience. And then, uh, you know, getting the ride back and then we stopped at this, uh, the Hoover Dam Hotel Casino and it was just uh old school as old school can be. And, and <laughs> we, you know, we stayed there for an hour and a half and uh, it, it was awesome. And then uh, got back on the bus half an hour, 40 minutes later than the, the boys went out to, on the strip and that was it. But, uh, you know, so that's how we, we try to replicate that, uh, that bus trip uh, or our bus trips back in, uh, back in Ontario and did it that way. Um, you know, you try to plan on, on different things, but man, the, the, the weeks go quick and you can't even get anywhere in it in early anywhere to just even have dinner together half the time. Yeah. Um, but little by little, you just kind of, uh, you peck away at it and you just try to you piece it all together as you go. And uh, you take advantage anytime you can of uh, extra time together. And that bus had a bathroom, I imagine. Yeah, I had bus out of <laughs> No one's getting pulled That's over on the side of the road. Nice. No, no. You know, when I think about you, I think about a lifelong connection to, like Whitby and Brooklyn and Durham region. There's not many guys that exemplify like their spot. I think like you do, like just talk about that community and how that's been so important to you and your, you know, your lacrosse and your coaching career over the years. Yeah. I think it's just, uh, I fell in love with, uh, with Brooklyn, you know, 
early on my dad was fortunate to, fortunate enough to play there back in the 70s and uh so i have vivid memories of uh the, the old uh luther vipon arena and uh how they packed the place and then uh you know, they're watching through the eighties with the, with the gates and all, and all the, all the, you know, all the players that went through that. And then, um, you know, then watching and, and getting to play with guys like John Fusco and Scott McMichael in my rookie year. And, and, you know, Fusco played a couple more as well, but, uh, I, it's always was a special place in my heart. And I was, you know, just honored that I got to play with, with that team. And then I just, you know, I wanted, I was just chasing what they got to, to feel, uh, a lot more than we did as as a team with my my 16 or 17 years there we only you know we had one 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 man cup but uh I was uh you know I didn't want to do it anywhere else and then you know obviously getting traded to Brampton was uh, was a fun time but then I just knew I had to go back and uh, you know to finish off my career and uh man I, it's such a cool cool place um you know to, to to raise a family as well and you know with the kids being a part of the whippy program and not, not tucker he was oshawa but uh you know in iroquois arena now we have air conditioning finally so everyone can stop complaining but i think it's, <laughs> i think it's one of the best places to play lacrosse um just the, the perfect size and uh especially with a lot of history in there with a, a lot of championships won on uh whippy side and brooklyn side Whitby via Scarborough and now in Las Vegas as the head coach and general manager with the Desert Dogs. Willie, this has been great fun, man. I appreciate your time. Appreciate it a lot. Thank you. All right. Great job. Take care, Willie. Thanks. Bye. Passion, commitment, and desire, the three pillars of success from Sean Williams, head coach and general manager of the Las Vegas Desert Dogs. My name is Brad Challoner. Thank you for hanging out. This has been Coaches Calls, conversations with the leaders of lacrosse. We do it every Monday. Only a couple NLL head coaches left, and then we'll have to figure out where we're going to take it from here. Let me know your thoughts. Coaches Calls Podcast at gmail.com or track me down on social media at Brad Challoner on Instagram at Brad Challoner. Thank you for listening. See you down the road. Peace.